This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. The Ducks won? <laughs> yeah, they had a really good chance, a 100% chance to win that game on Saturday. <laughs> and they pulled it off. I, I loved what I saw. And, and there wasn't a lot of flair from my perspective watching it on TV. I saw efficiency. Yeah, yeah. You know what I saw, and I know we're going to dig into this. I saw a clean game. I saw, I think there was an early penalty, and whether or not they were calling it tight, calling it loose, I'm not really focused on that. It was a pretty, there was nothing egregious throughout the game that didn't, did or didn't get called. Um, you know, one of the things I pointed out on Scoop Duck, uh, there weren't missed tackles. Um, there didn't seem to be a lot of blown assignments, although the, there was a time or two that, that Herbert seemed to be off with one of his receivers. Uh, a couple times, but I mean, just from a fundamental standpoint, you saw a football team that that looked disciplined, played discipline, you know, flocked to the football. Um, there were lanes for the running backs to get through. Just the basic core fundamentals. It wasn't sloppy, and that's that's I mean, that's to me is my biggest takeaway. Just it didn't look sloppy. It didn't look like a team that oh it's spring, oh they'll get that worked out. It looked like a team that could probably play in a couple weeks and. And, and farewell against whoever they played. And you, you mentioned that, not sloppy, no penalties, not a ton of turnovers. I thought it was also a team that was passionate. Like, these guys yeah. clearly love playing football, and that's not something we can take for granted. Yeah, no, I mean, we've talked about that before. With Actually, with the guests we have coming on, we've got just in a, in a minute or two as we kind of get through our intro, we're going to have Yogi Roth come on. He called the game Saturday. Excited to get his input and perspective on it and just, uh, you know, just kind of see his thoughts from an outsider on, on what he saw and, and maybe mm-hmm. more so I, I'm really curious to see what he thinks as far as the growth has been of this team from year one to year two under Mario Cristobal. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yogi Roth coming up. Um, y- you can hear I'm still fighting off the last mm-hmm. vestige of a cold. I'm good enough today to where we can be in close proximity and tape this podcast, but I was not good enough on Saturday to, to be there in Eugene and to see everything up. firsthand. Just f- for those of us that missed it, like me, what was it like having the, the scoop duck party on Friday night and catching up with everybody and having the tailgate Saturday? I, How was that? It was great. I mean, the, the you know, Friday night was fun. It wasn't a big gathering, but there was a steady flow of 15-ish people, you know, in and out of, of the space I rented uh, for a few hours, watched Blazer game. That was great. Uh, the Tap and Growler did a wonderful job with the food and everything. I mean, it, that was a great situation there. Saturday was a ton of fun. Got there early, set up. Uh, you know, got it, got a spot and, uh, you know, we just had, a, we had, you know, we had a steady flow of 25, 35 people all day long. I mean, right up until the game and just, you oh. know, afterwards, a few people came back out after the game and we talked about it a little bit, played a little football game, you know, just, just a really good time to meet people. And it was, uh, yeah, it was really impressive. Like I say, it was just great to meet those people in person, kind of shake their hand, get to know them. And uh, I, I know I personally had a lot of fun, you know, good food, drinks, and, and then, of course, it didn't rain. <laughs> well, it never rains. Yeah, no, no. But even outside Austin Stadium, it didn't rain. So, yeah, no, it was a great, <laughs> great weekend. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> you, you can never take that for granted. No. I know the joke is it never rains on Austin Stadium, but there is a difference. There's like a little uptick when you have good weather in Eugene. Makes everything else a little easier. Makes everything just a little bit. So the sun came out after the game. It peaked out a couple times. We were playing football. It, it was when we were outside after the game. It was nice, but uh, but yeah, great day. You know, obviously great great experience in Austin Stadium. Good turnout. I know they said it was thirty five thousand. I don't know if it was quite that many, but it was still a great turnout. It was it was a good day overall. All right, let's have uh, Yogi Roth, Pac twelve Network. We've had him on the pod before, and he never disappoints. This guy knows everything about the Pac-12, and I think he's a perfect guest today 
because he got to cover the spring game on Saturday. Yeah, he was there, and, and, and he's covered it before, so I think his experience kind of seeing this team grow, just not individually, but overall, um, will be valuable insight for us. We got Yogi Roth. Yogi just took a haircut. Now he's with us on the Scoop Duck pod, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Uh, Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network, you were at the Duck spring game on Saturday. What popped out to you? Oh, man, so much, and, and even more so being in practice and around the program and talking to different guys, so many things stood out. I think the biggest one is, and the coaches say this quote a lot, but the care factor. You know, you can feel that spring ball matters, you know, and it's not just a you know, 15 practice about technique and fundamentals. I mean, the standard that Mario has this thing at, and really the process in which they go through from winter conditioning or their fourth quarter, quote-unquote, program to – you know, really getting everything out of 15 practices. There aren't many teams that do that, even though it was vanilla on offense and defense. We didn't see a ton schematically, but guys got work it, you know, on Saturday. And I think a lot of times we're seeing spring games shift in that regard um, in, in college football in general for a bunch of reasons and all, I think are all valid reasons. But Mario has made this program really um, one that, that you have to care a lot. It has to mean a lot to you. You're not going to play. Uh, so I think I'd start there, and then the competitive uh, cauldron that's created at new positions is something that stood out. You know, receiver obviously being a natural one, and uh, I think running back being another one. And that's a, that's a great point, um, Yogi, because as you know, I'm a big proponent of things that are off the field. You know, we go and we evaluate quarterback play for, you know, attempts and completions and all these other things, but there's so much more that goes into football. Um, so having, you know, your experience around multiple Pac-12 programs, you know, would you say that, that Oregon is at least up there in terms of that competitive nature and that environment and that culture that Mario's created? I mean, a couple years ago, that seemed to be something this team was severely lacking. Would you say that they're amongst the best in the Pac-12, at least in that arena right now? Yeah, I think from the ones that I've seen, you know, like I haven't been to Colorado or Arizona um, but yeah, I mean, ASU has that. And I think a lot of programs have that or have recaptured it. I thought SC recaptured it this spring with obviously new coaches on, on both sides of the ball and, you know, a disappointing year a year ago. But yeah, I, I think they're in that upper echelon. You know, I think their environment is a championship environment. You know, do they have the players yet at every position to roll out and be on better than you? No. Um, but sometimes championships teams don't have that because – they play so well together. You know, I look at UCLA last year, and they're not going to have a bunch of kids go to the draft this year. And they played, I think, 24, 26 freshmen, you know, something crazy like that. But they were playing as good as anybody in the South at the end of the year. So I say that around Oregon. If, do they have, like, the best receiving core, best running back group, best, you know, linebacker core in the Pac-12? No, but they, they're good enough, and they're competitive enough, and they're unified dramatically enough to win the Pac-12 title. And that, that was a big takeaway for me, that they're a real contender, I think, for the Pac-12 title. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network, here with us. I, I agree with, with a lot of what you're saying, Yogi, talking about the Ducks getting better, their chances in the Pac-12 this year. Um, one note that stood out to me, you mentioned the difference in the the, the regimen of this Duck Spring game Saturday versus what we see with other programs in the Pac-12. Um, I, I wonder, is there something that these other programs will, will borrow from and take from? Are they looking at what Mario Cristobal was building in Eugene? I don't, I don't know. I think, um, I think programs are so like obsessed with what they're doing every day, but I think like what he did probably raised some eyebrows in terms of, oh, he went to Bama in Georgia. And he said that they weren't that far off publicly, right? That's pretty impressive. Oh, whoa, whoa, something good going on there. I mean, Oregon does, I think, the best job in this conference at sharing their story, even however they choose to share it, but like on social media. So like you see elements of how they're building the program. Um, so I think coaches have taken notice. And anytime you bring back Justin Herbert, I remember I talked to a coach in this conference who said, I'd rather based Donald and Rosen and Justin Herbert. And this was wow. two years ago, you know? So think about that for a second. And I, and I was like, hold on for real. And this is one of the most respected guys that, that I know in the profession and, uh, and a defensive guy at that. And 
that's whoa okay that, that makes a i'm gonna start listening to that so <laughs> i think you bring back him you bring back this offensive line that it feels like yesterday but when we were talking about when they're playing four and five retro freshmen you know now they're fifth year seniors along with the best linemen in this in this class or in this conference and i'd argue one of the best in the country at Panay Sewell receiving core that is young but everyone would want every recruit that went there including the transfer Juwan Johnson so I think they're gonna they're they're gonna have people on edge I think that uh you know you know we got a big breakdown on it in the game they had 52 drops last year I think seven were touchdowns and 17 were explosive plays I mean I think the, for all the slack that you know, I think a lot of people gave towards their offense coordinator, Marcus Royal was unjust. You know, when when those things happen, you're just, you know, what, what call. You know, so I think there was a lot of growth that occurred on that program from a personnel standpoint from last year to this year. I think we're going to see that. And and then you add in Justin, a senior quarterback, that he could be swimming in the NFL and he's going to be thriving in college. I mean, it's just it's just an amazing pendulum swing that we rarely see at that position. One of the things, and I don't know if you necessarily felt this way, but and I and I know Coach Cristobal has talked about it, but was really the emergence of, of Tyler Shuck on Saturday. And, you know, he didn't really have the receiving weapons that Justin Herbert did, although he did have Micah Pittman. I thought his command of the offense, his poise, just the way he looked at the field was, was tremendous. What were some of the things that you saw in his growth from year one to year two? I love Tyler. I've been on this train for him since high school in the Elite 11, and Yam always brings him up to me because I shocked him on set on signing day where I was like, I think Tyler Shuck reminds me of Jared Goff. And Jared was just most recently the number one draft pick after that or prior to that signing day. And and I think that about him now. You get to know his spirit. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to know him well, but he's got some stuff to him. I mean, this is a guy that could have gone to Harvard, could have gone anywhere he wanted to, Yale, et cetera. Show, you know, is committed to North Carolina, flips and goes to Oregon, and he's got this fire that I think is is special, you know. And you felt it, you know. He, he wasn't fake. He wasn't trying to jack guys up like he was pretending to be anybody else. Wasn't pretending to be, um, you know, anyone other than him. And he settled in the position. I remember talking to him last year when he got there mid year, and you know, it was obviously an adjustment for everybody. And then what he did in the spring game a year ago, and then. To see him physically in practice Friday, and I got a chance to talk to him after practice, and then to watch him and call it Saturday, I'm not surprised. And if it wasn't Justin Herbert as the starter, um, we would either be saying there's a quarterback competition or he's the dude. And and I think this is exactly, man, how quarterback room should be built. We did it when I was at SC. If you have a baller and you got a guy a year or two behind him that will take over when he's ready versus having to be thrown into the fire early, which I don't like that in college football, unless you're at Bama or Georgia and you have all these other tools. So, Tyler, when he plays next year, dude, he's going to rip. And uh, and don't be shocked when he's one of the best in this conference and in his era. Yeah, I I think, like you said, that was the biggest takeaway from me is is not that it has become a quarterback competition, but but rather some stabilization because Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert. You don't replace a guy like that, you know, just with anybody. But to know that, hey, look, Tyler Shuck's got another year to develop and learn behind Justin Herbert, learn this offense, hopefully keep the same offensive coordinator, and then kind of Oregon's in good shape next year. And I think that's the first time in a long time, you know, Oregon fans have, have kind of felt like that, knowing that, hey, ne- next year looks like it's in pretty good hands. That was a big takeaway. One other sidebar from there, you know, Oregon's receivers, on meanwhile, struggled you know, mightily last year. They just did uh, for several reasons other than Dylan Mitchell. What did you, you know, they've got a lot of true freshmen out there now. And then, then of course they had Juwan Johnson coming in. What did you kind of see from that group overall on Saturday? I love that group. Um, I mean, honestly, I look at them on signing day and evaluating them. Um, it was exciting. And to me, my number one guy on my board at the receiver position was J.R. Waters. You know, from a skill standpoint, you know, he, you know, his size, his ability, his length, his athleticism is special. Then you look at Michael Pittman and his competitive temperament, I think will elevate the whole program and already has definitely the position group. Look at what he did, you know, and just in the spring game, Josh Delgado um, as well. And then you add in the transfer. I mean, that might be their squad. And so what's it going to do? It's going to make Johnny Johnson better. It's going to make Jalen Red better. It's going to make Brandon Schooler better. 
and they're and the best are going to play. And they haven't had that, as you referenced. Um, I don't think in a long time, let alone Brian Addison, who seems to have the light switch has turned on to a degree. And and now what, you know, Bill Walsh used to say this all the time, and Coach Carroll would echo it, that you got to create a competitive culture where guys aren't afraid of losing their job, but are getting elevated by the people around them every day. And every receiver coach would say, I want to play 10 dudes. And at the tempo that Oregon can go with, they can play eight guys, they're going to. But if not, and they're going to roll with three, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Jawan Johnson, Micah Pittman, Josh Delgado. You know, I really wouldn't be. Josh Johnson, he's going to get some burn because he's trustworthy and, you know, he runs probably the best routes out of that group. But the growth from now, as they jump back into their offseason program to camp, I can't wait to get to Eugene in August because I do think that this, this group, it's, it'll be the most improved position group by far in the Pac-12 from last year to this year chatting with Yogi Roth from Pac-12 Network. He got to watch the Ducks spring game up close and personal on Saturday. Uh, Yogi, we promised you we'd let you out around noon here on Tuesday taping this, but uh, just real quick, I got to ask you about the guy in the red jersey on Saturday. Uh, Justin Herbert has a lot of fans wondering Heisman, has a lot of fans wondering um, awards and, and NFL draft next year. Just what's his ceiling after what you saw Saturday? Well, I think it's hard to say on Saturday, right? Because he was so vanilla schematically. Didn't yeah. ask me a lot. But I'll say, go back and watch our conversation. We did it at halftime and it aired. It was about nine minutes. First time he's really been extensive uh, around like why he came back and who he is. And I think for him, um, he's the most grounded I've ever I've ever heard of in terms of he's really aware of like, yeah, I, there's a lot happening around me. I'm a big time dude and I know how to deal with that. And I've done the work to be able to handle that. And again, I go back to Marcus Arroyo, like the, the way he's developed that position, let alone recruited it. Um, I think it's brilliant. And, and Justin said, you know, a huge reason why he stayed is a lot of the work that he and Marcus have done together off the field. So I, I think that he's got a chance to be special. I think he's ready for it. I think if you look at him against Cal as a freshman, wasn't ready for the stage. His ability was, but all the other stuff. As a sophomore, played better, but got hurt. You know, last year, struggled at receiver and just tried to, in my eyes, try to put so much on himself. Um, and again, you go back to all those drops. If they, can, if they catch half of them, his completion percentage is like 64, 65, and nobody's complaining or it's not even an issue. Mm-hmm. So I think now, with who he has up front, the staff returning, the receivers and the weapons he has and the relationship. I mean, remember he was, and you know, that's better than me, but he was in Micah Pittman and Jawan Johnson for what, like five practices, six practices. Like it's not like they got 15 together mm-hmm. due to when those guys arrived in April on the quarter system academically. So I think he's got a chance to be special. I think he's got a chance to end up in New York. And I think this team, and I love their schedule. I love how it opens up against Auburn. He's going to be, and this is the unfortunate way the Heisman works is that he's going to be on center stage from day one, and they beat Auburn. Next thing that's going to be big time is going to be at Stanford. They get past that, it's a bye week, and then it's two home games, and the next big stage is UW on the 19th of October, and then it's SC November. My point is he's got a big stage every month. Hmm. You don't really have that. I don't care if you're Tua or you're Jake Fromm. Like, most conference schedules don't lay out like that, where you got a national rivalry or huge stakes type of game that all eyes will be on. You know, those games will all be on ABC. I'd imagine they should be at least, you know, and there's an opportunity for game day to come to all of them based upon the opponent and of course Oregon's record, but they should win all the ones in between those. So if they do that, then his opportunity will be laid out and then I'll have the Pac-12 title put a kind of stamp on it. Um, So yeah, he's got a realistic, no emotion opportunity to find his way to New York. And I think in this conference, he should be the front runner for that along probably with KJ Costello. And we can argue, you know, Benjamin running backs, but we know how that award goes. And, uh, I think, I think he should, it's not get on the Pac-12 bandwagon, get on the table for this kid. It's like a real deal. Yeah. He's a Heisman candidate. Maybe he doesn't want to start a campaign like Joey Harrington, but he's a dude. Well, and, and like you said, the good news is, at least as far as Oregon fans go and, and a lot of the national pundits, you'll know exactly what you're getting from Oregon and Justin Herbert in week one. You know, if they go out there and at least 
in my mind, if they're at least competitive with, with Auburn, who's a, who's a very talented team that nobody's really talking about, you're going to know right away from week one, hey, this team you know, does have some moxie, does have a chance, or it's, okay, what adjustments need to be made? And uh, like you said, that really primes him for a huge season uh, week one, and not a, lot of, not, a lot of, not a lot of other candidates have that. So it's great. Yogi, uh, we, we promised you, you know, about noon, and I think we're a couple minutes past, so we want to let you go, even though we'd love to keep talking. But we always, always, always appreciate your time and your insight, man. Yeah, totally. And I'll tell you what, fans should be pumped about that defense. That scheme is really cool. I went back and watched the Boise film heading into the game just to wrap my head around Andy Avalos and I've talked to guys he's worked with, and people just rave about him. And I looked at that front without Gary Baker, yeah, right? And it said, okay, maybe there's not a first-round draft pick for next year on that front, but there is in a couple years, and there's some huge potential with KT and, you know, DJ on the other side, transferred from Miami, mm-hmm. let alone the guys that are running with the ones. Um, that's real. I think they'll develop the other linebacker position beside Troy. It looks like they have them. The guys look the part now. Yeah. Um, and the secondary is is good enough. Like, they're really good college secondary. Are there first-round draft picks there? Like, I don't see that today, but they're really good players that will get to a training camp in the league or get drafted late. So I think this team is really good. Um, and if they can play really united, then they got a chance. You know, and, and I would say the same thing about uh, UW and Stanford, which is going to make, and, and even Wazoo after being there about a month ago, yeah. it's going to make this North an amazing race. Yeah, the North is definitely, I don't want to say stacked, but it's pretty solid, you know, at, you know, one through four, one through five, somewhere in that range. Oregon State's still working on things. Hopefully they can get it going, but it's going to take a little bit of time for Jonathan Smith there. Uh, but like you said, Andy Avalos is just one of those guys you go talk to him, and if you spend 10 minutes around him, you can tell, like, this is a football dude. This guy <laughs> loves defense, and I can see why kids want to play for him. I mean, he just has that sort of energy about him. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Yogi. Have a good rest of the day, buddy. All right, later. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. That was fun. Yeah, I, I just always love... I mean, he, he looks at things differently than I do, and, and I just like... I like that. I like that point of view. I like, I like to have people come on and... You know, I, I don't always want it to be people that we just sit here and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we all agree. Everything's cool. Everything's yeah. perfect. You know, like he said, he was, he was pretty realistic about things. You know, I think he was really realistic about, you know, where this defense is at. Is it an elite defense? Probably not. Is it going to be good enough to help them win games if the offense is doing what it should do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and I think he was right about the defensive, the defensive line depth is as good as it's ever been at Oregon, I, I think, since I've been covering the Ducks. Um you know, Thomas Graham, Diamador, Lenore, you know, those are those are the guys that grew up the most last year and I think they're definitely ready for this year. Might need a little stabilization in the in the sec in the safety part of things. I mean Javon Holland's back, but you still got a, fo- a hole to fill there. But you know, one of my takeaways was uh, you know, Saturday you're watching the spring game and on the on the second string, the twos, is Kayvon Thibodeau and DJ Johnson. And those guys like those are your twos. Yes. I mean, those guys. You, like, you put them on Oregon State or on Cal or on Wazoo right yeah. now. Some of the other teams in the Pac-12 North is my point. They are are feeding those guys as many reps as possible. Yeah, I and mean, they're, I, they're the twos at Oregon. I think even Washington, and I and I don't say that lightly. Wow, you know, uh, those are two of the most. Now, of course, Thibodeau's a, a true freshman. You know, DJ Johnson, I think a little bit of, of that might be some motivation, like make sure he's working hard, something to stay hungry for, kind of dangling the carrot. Either way, those two guys, I mean, those, that's, and, and my point to that is not to harp on, on KT or DJ Johnson. That's the elevation of this defense yeah. from just a couple years. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, there's no way those guys were twos for Oregon last year or the year before in all, in all senses. So, mm. 
Um, it's just, you know, linebackers, uh, like Yogi said, you know, you, you've got die and you know what you've got there, but, uh, you know, ISM Slade Matausha, he's looking really good. And I think he's the guy that's going to slide in there next to die. And, and you um, notice he had the little sort of underhanded praise for Gmon Eford. He did. He mentioned, Hey, G-Money. there's a guy coming in in a few years. Who's going to be the first round pick. Yeah. Going to be the guy. There's some dudes. Yeah. No, there's some dudes. And, uh, you know, offense we're seeing, we're seeing that. And I like this point about. You know what Micah Pittman and these other young receivers are going to do. I, in my opinion, they've pushed Brendan Schooler in particular that much more. I think Schooler's probably done as much growth as anybody. You know, maybe in the last two or three or four months or whatever, whatever have you. Um, and you know, do I credit Schooler with being a you know thousand yard, twelve touchdown guy? Probably not. But I think he's a lot better already this year than he was last year, and, and that makes the group better. Uh, but like, I mean, you watch Michael Pittman and stuff out there. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's a different breed, you know, I mean, just, di- mm-hmm. you know, and then the catch by Juwan Johnson in the end zone. I mean, he, I mean, Oregon didn't have anybody that could make that catch last year. You, you know, know, what's funny to me uh, two weeks ago when Pittman comes on campus and starts fighting for a job and mm-hmm. scrapping with everybody. And then Juwan Johnson shows up on campus and we act like it's Godzilla marching through Tokyo. It was this brand new thing. Yeah. And now it almost seems passe when these guys make a big play or have a great catch, have a good practice. Like, we just expect them now to be these dominant wideouts. Right. No, and it's the elevation of the program. I mean, you just we're, we're all front and center witnessing, and it, you know, it's hard until you take a step back and think, man, okay, you know, this team two years ago didn't have a receiving core of that caliber. This team two years ago, the offensive line was good, but now it's eight, nine deep of okay who who isn't starting how do you figure out who's not starting here you know you've got two capable quarterbacks you've got you know dudes in the linebacker core i mean even just last year oregon was using walk-ons at times to start at linebacker and it's no disrespect to those guys but if you're trying to elevate your program you need dudes i mean you got to have dudes at every position and i and i think oregon is tenfold much closer to that now they're not there but they're much closer to that than i i think they've been in a while yeah maybe even since 2012 i don't know and and tying what you've said about the defense hey it's the deepest ducks defense i've covered since i started covering oregon that's quite a compliment yeah um and then yogi saying hey they're not going to be elite this year but there are guys that will get drafted. There are guys that will get camp invites and, and play at the next level. I actually think that's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. Of you have a team, basically, you think about how many players don't get drafted. Right. Right. It's something like, what, 95% or 97% of all D1 college football players don't even get a shot. Right. What you're essentially saying if the Ducks are even just a team full of seventh rounders, right? You are still saying that talent-wise, that Oregon defense is in the upper three or four percent. Yeah. So, congratulations, Duck fans. That's a, a top twenty defense. I, I think you know, as good as Washington's been the last few years, you know, they haven't produced a ton of NFL guys. They've had some. They've yeah. they've, they've had some, but that's not a, a roster littered with first rounders and and fourth rounders i mean they're getting a few guys in here and there secondary guys yeah Yeah. you know they're getting a few guys in here and there but that's not a team loaded with talent in fact you know it's it's it it certainly would appear at least at this particular moment oregon may have at least closed and possibly surpassed the talent gap with washington in my opinion which is is really crazy to think about because washington was was definitely starting to pull away there Mm -hmm. um you know you kind of wonder i mean usc was usc's just for a while been a team littered with first round talent that isn't winning you know so it's like okay what you know i i, I do definitely liken this team to maybe the, the oregon team that is to more of like you know what you see in washington or what you see at boise state which is damn good football players playing good sound football that win games mm-hmm. that does win you games not making mistakes not costing yourself the game and having good enough talent now you know, you have good enough talent to win the games. Now you got to take into account Justin Herbert's on this team. I mean, you got some dudes. Don't get me wrong, but it's just uh, it's great. And, I, and we saw that on Saturday. I mean, again, you go back and you look at just the twos of who was playing. You know, you had Tyler Shuck back there with the twos dealing as quarterback. He looked terrific. Mm-hmm. The offensive line held up pretty well because it was a group of guys that 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 could start if you needed them to. For the most part, uh, you had Micah Pittman out there with the twos 
and he had seven catches. He led the entire game with seven catches. Mm-hmm. Now it was only for about 50 yards, but it was still, he was making catch after catch uh, against a good secondary. So, um, you know, just a lot to be positive about. And I, and, and you just, the thing to me is right now today, spring football's done. Spring football's done. And I'm sitting here thinking of just how far ahead this team is than it was last year after spring football is done. Mm-hmm. You know, we all came away with some yeah. questions and like, okay, you know, do they have the O line worked out? Who, you know, the, the maybe the corners aren't quite there yet. You know, the defensive line depth isn't there yet. Uh, and we have eviscerated several of those concerns because of what we've seen this spring. Yeah. And now you've got the rest of summer and then into fall for that. So you're, you're, you know, we always talk about uh, high floor, high ceiling. Now you've elevated the floor of this team, and it continues to have a really high ceiling. Yeah, on field and off field. I think about last year, there were criticisms really until that Washington game. There were people that said, I don't believe in Mario Cristobal, and I don't trust Mario Cristobal. I didn't say that, but I I had heard that from fans uh, because of the Boise State-Vegas Bowl. And, and then the exodus of players that right. offseason, all the recruits that had committed and then pulled out. And then you look at this year where they beat Washington, they get one over on their arch rivals, then right. they, they win a bowl game, beat Michigan State, and they get Kayvon Thibodeau, and they get this kick-ass recruiting class. And it's like a, a completely different Duck football team. It's a complete, you know, again, you know, like I said, I, I've, instead of comparing this team to you know the 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 team that that you saw at the end of last season i think it's a lot more fair to compare it to where they were last spring and if you're just simply doing that saying hey here's where the bulk of this team was and again that's where you know i know i i was preaching and you were on board with it i was preaching the importance of the 2019 class yeah keeping it together getting them signed getting them on campus well, here we are. We're talking a lot about some of the guys that signed that class. Kayvon Thibodeau. We're talking about Micah Pittman. Uh, you know, lots of the receivers that we're mentioning. I mean, uh, Mikhail Wright's another guy that came in as a corner. Mm-hmm. I had him on the podcast and has come in, and he's not pushing for a starting position. You were fired up about him on Saturday. Oh, yeah. No, he is, he is definitely easily put himself in line to be that third corner off the bench which if you're running you know nickel or other formations where it's obvious passing downs Mm -hmm. you're going to have three corners on the field at times that means he's going to get a lot of playing time yeah well i mean you're going to have three corners on the field most of the time anyway it's it's an archaic idea to have your depth chart with oh yeah three linebackers two corners because that third backer is never going to see the field right and when you're playing wazoo yeah you're going to have four or five corners out there yeah yeah no, and I, you know, that's something, um, you know, that I know that that Coach Ken Wilson and and Coach Andy Evelos specifically have talked about the versatility of this defense and the different looks they're going to do. And I, I always, I always kind of find myself scratching my head because a lot of people, at least you know, those that post on Scoop Duck or Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever, you know, what's our base defense going to be? What's our base going to defense going to be? I don't think it matters. No. It doesn't matter. No. It's going to have so many different looks to it. It mattered a lot more under Jim Levitt. It will not matter that much under Andy Avalos because he's going to do so many things. And really, you know, we have to remember this conference, the Pac-12 conference, is so diverse offensively. Yeah. You have true pro-style offenses out there. You have true spreads. You have some that incorporate both. You have Wazoo that's wide open air raid, which apparently USC will be now. You have to account for all that. You can't just say this is our defense. Mm-hmm. This is what we're running, and 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 have it work for all of those offenses. It doesn't. No, no. If you try to defend UCLA like you defend Stanford, right? Even if UCLA has a bad year, they will destroy you, right? Absolutely. If you try to defend Stanford like you're defending Washington State, they will destroy you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I think that's the biggest takeaway is. I really wouldn't be concerned with, with what Oregon's base defense is. I would be more con- I would be more concerned with do they have what and what I'm going to say is functional depth at all of their positions because like you said it's not going to be just three defensive linemen out there and you know three or four linebackers. They're going to move so many pieces around. You want to find 
you know, you want to combine guys that can cover space and still get after the quarterback. I think that's what Andy Avalos is really going to do. He's going to disguise his defense really well. He's going to disguise his blitzes really well, um, you know, this this season. And and I think you will see a much more active defense. And, again, I know I've said this before, it will be much more like Nick Aliotti's defense was. Not the same, but it will be much more of that. And it won't be bend but don't break. It won't be that either. I'm not saying that. But it will mm-hmm. be different. Uh, than what Jim Levitt was running here at Oregon. I think it'll be a little bit more exciting and will create more opportunities for turnovers. So you're really happy with what you saw, and I don't blame you because I'm pretty happy with what I saw. I think it was a really good Saturday. Was there something you didn't like, something the Ducks need to work on? You know, it it was a really clean game for me, and for me to say anything, I... Like some of you, and I, and again, we totally have to keep in mind that this was a vanilla play call. There's no doubt in my mind the defense knew what plays were coming 90% of the time. You know, you, you play that much against one another in practice, you know what's coming. Um, I thought the run game was good. I was still hoping for just a little bit more, maybe, you know, a little bit more explosion plays out of the run game. And again, I'm going to couch that with the fact that I totally understand that it was a vanilla play call you know Oregon wasn't showing anything on film that Auburn could use I get all that Mm -hmm. so I guess my goal is I'm hoping that when Oregon faces Auburn early in the year that's one area that we can see um, that we can see improved and and I think it will be the run game was very effective when they were healthy we saw that when you know Penesul went down and other injuries occurred, that they were far less effective, and Oregon had to change things around. But for me, I know that Mario Cristobal's calling card is running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and that's fine. You can do that. It's just you got to be really good at it to do it. And I and I think Auburn's going to prove that to be a really tough test right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be an opportunity for play action when the season gets underway late August. And I don't want to pick on him, but Justin Herbert didn't look that good on Saturday. He didn't Thank look you. bad. He didn't Thank look bad. You. He didn't look bad, but he definitely had some missed throws that I'm sure he'd love to have back. Cuz that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. And I and I tried to ask Yogi Roth about that and he brought up, "Hey, you know, we didn't see that much." Yeah. I'm not saying that Justin Herbert is bad. Right. I I definitely agree with your guys's point that he is the established one sure. and he could very well be hoisting a trophy in New York City at the end of the year. I just want to see him move his head. I want to see his yeah. eyes. I want to see him read his progressions. And I didn't get to see that on Saturday. Not that he was making bad decisions with the ball, but that his first read was there Yeah, pretty much every time. Well, and that's one of the things I mentioned when I was giving Tyler Shuck some praise. He did. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, you saw him moving. Yeah. And he, and he was stepping up, climbing the pocket or, or, or moving outside of the, of the pocket, you know, and, and making throws on the run and just... His, like I said, his read and, and his, uh, you know, command of the offense, his his understanding of where guys are supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, to be honest, on that particular day from what we saw to our naked eyeballs looked better than what Justin Herbert was doing. Now, mm-hmm. again... And I'm not a quarterback guru. No, me I'll neither. I'll throw that out there. Uh, I, me neither. And, I, and, I, and again, I have to be really careful about saying this because, oh, you know, J-Hop said there's a quarterback controversy. no. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> Justin Herbert starting. It wasn't his finest day. We've seen him in games last year where he didn't put his finest day out there, but we've also seen him make throws that I don't I don't know that Oregon's ever had a quarterback that could make at times. So, you know, I think one of the best things that I can say about Herbert is as I recall and as I'm saying this, I believe on Saturday he went out and had a couple of tougher series. You know, I don't know that they were three and outs per se, but, you know, maybe missed a ball. Offense got stagnant. And then the next drive, next thing you know, it's bang, bang, touchdown. Mm-hmm. He can do that. He lo- he has a short-term memory, and that's a really, really good thing as a quarterback, to have that short-term memory. Like, man, I just had a, I mean, you know, I'm in a funk. I had a couple bad drives here. I'm, I'm out of it today. And he, you know, he maybe pushed those aside and, and led a good drive to a touchdown. So, uh, you know, again, I, I'd love to see that. I guess maybe more consistent uh, this fall, and uh, it's going to have to be. I mean, that's yeah. the long and the short. It's going to have to be, or or maybe this. Like we're not we're not bagging on him nope. by any means. I don't want the headline to be Scoop Duck Pod hates Justin Herbert because right. that's not our our end goal here. But just you want to see him have more of a challenge. Yeah, this didn't feel like a, a real test for him. Well, seven you know uh, seventy something yards of 
his production. Uh, I think he was at like 220 on the day passing. 70 something of it was on two two uh, like little tosses to Verdell. One was a wheel that went for like 60 some yards and the other one picked up the rest of that 70 some yards. So, you know, to me, you start kind of taking those out and he threw for 150 yards. Again, as a spring game, I get all that and you can't just de- you can't just detract those out of there. But his numbers in particular l- looked a little better than I thought he played that day. Mm-hmm. If you're just looking at the pure stats, yeah. you got to take some of those things away. But, you know, he's the dude. There's no doubt he's the dude. And in my mind, there is no doubt that Oregon goes as far as he can take him. Mm-hmm. He is the key to this team this year. No, no question. Doubt. No doubt. Really looking forward to uh, the rest of the Pac-12, see how all that shakes out. And Yogi Roth, he thinks the Ducks have a team that can win it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I haven't done that much digging yet on opposing teams, but, I mean, Washington State's going to be who they are. I mean, I think you know that they're a challenge. They're a threat. They've certainly had the Ducks number. I think Stanford, you know, I don't really know what they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be physical. They're going to be tough. Are they going to be that good? Um, You know, Washington, I've felt for years that Washington hasn't replaced the talent they've had with equal or better talent as far as Chris Peterson's been recruiting. Maybe they're just doing a really good job of finding guys that fit what they do and running with that. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with that because that's what Chip Kelly does, and he's exceptional at it. Um, but again, if you're just going across paper, I think Oregon's more talented than Washington at darn near every position. Um, you know, Oregon is definitely in a position to win the Pac-12 North this year. There's no question. And the great part that I keep hammering on We'll have a really good idea of that week one. Yeah. Yeah. Though, there's a disclaimer. I want to see that Georgia transfer. I want to see what Jake Eason does with Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't even, they were talking about the, what was the other kid? The other kid was right there with him. Um, What's his name? That's blanking on me. But our our, hucks, our uh, husky expertise is really well. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'd love to say <laughs> I spent much time watching their spring, but I didn't. I focused it on Oregon, yeah. obviously. So, uh, and I will. I'll start breaking them down here because we're, as you've mentioned, and as we've talked about, we're in the slower season of football. Basketball's done. Football's done. Um, there's still baseball and softball, but doesn't quite move the needle as much as those other sports do. Mm-hmm. So we get to talk about recruiting and beer and track i guess i don't know what we got lots of time oh, now oh good from now till me. august we have lots of time if we got to talk about track i am not your guy no i'm not either <laughs> we'll be able to read like i can watch it we can read the press release so such and such <laughs> one and yeah no i can I, watch it yeah, i can't do it i can't do it no <laughs> but no we'll have plenty of I, you know it'd be I, that might even be a great idea for us to do on these podcasts is start breaking down <laughs> other teams maybe you know each week just kind of getting to know the other team a little bit that is a good idea yeah but hey i'm not busting your balls about washington because because my focus on them has really just been their draft yeah of i'm looking at okay first round corners and first round safeties and getting all that ready i have no clue really who's on that team but my dad watches more college football than anybody i know he's he's the kind of guy that saturday he'll watch kent state and alcorn state he'll watch right He'll watch the Maction on Tuesday nights. If there's football on, he'll it, watch it. Yes. Yeah. If there's football on, college football, he will watch it. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you, if I had a dollar for every time my dad would tell me about Jacob Eason when he was a f- true freshman at Georgia, completely raw, thrown into the fire, popping off missiles like he was Dan Marino. Yeah. My dad texted me every single time I would be a millionaire. You know, if, if I if I just collected a quarter every time he did that, because Eason just popped yeah. every game. And he got hurt. Georgia went on that title run. He basically loses his job, never gets it back, right. goes to UW. If he wins that job, I really like him as one of the top quarterbacks in the country. He's got a cannon. There's no doubt he's got a cannon. And, uh, you know, I think that's an offense that will probably suit him very well. I'm sure Chris Peterson will... Definitely utilize him um, if he's the guy. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that'll be a crazy game because you're going to have two, you know, quarterbacks in there potentially with absolute cannons for arms. I mean, both him and Herbert could probably throw it 80 yards just about standing. You know, those guys just have two unreal arms. So, um, And, you know, we, we don't even have to hype up the Washington game. We know, I mean, that game's 
is done. Everybody's ready to go. It you think so? Oh yeah. No, everybody's. <laughs> every, there's no. We'd never have to hype up a, a husky game. <laughs> uh, we're a ways away from husky hate week, but I agree with you. I I get your point there. Um, one quick thing on football because we're just kind of riffing today. Like yeah. you mentioned, spring game is done. Off season now for football in full swing. Um. You remember that FD, FBI scandal with college basketball? Yes. There's a football angle. And I want your thoughts on this because there were a few teams mentioned. One of these is not like the others. Um, the, uh, the report today, this is from uh, Matt Norlander, CBS Sports. He says, Martin Blazer testified on Tuesday that he paid football players from Penn State Michigan, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Northwestern. Oh, man. <laughs> Northwestern getting in the game, huh? Man, that's crazy. You know, it's, uh, you know, and then obviously Arizona for basketball, they've got their, their current woes going on there as well. There's, there's no shortage of scandals in the sports world these days. How prevalent is that in college football? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you got your head in the sand if you don't think kids are getting paid to a degree in certain elements but you know it, it, I, I think it becomes pretty obvious in some cases but you know I mean like I mean Ole Miss you know a few years back when they went from 0 and 11 or whatever they were to studs yeah to studs and, and pulling in five stars as, as good as Bama it's like okay I mean at least hide it a little better what, what's going on I mean you Eric know, Dickerson getting a new car yeah I mean yeah. come on it's you know it's it's you know yeah I don't know and I think you know I think uh you yeah I, there, there's definitely cheating going on there's no doubt in my mind it's just uh I guess it's whatever you can get away with unfortunately because yeah. everybody's doing it so it's either kind of join in or, or fall behind it, it seems like to some degree but I'm not suggesting that's going on at Oregon uh, or football or basketball. I, you know, at least I know for football, like those guys just recruit unbelievably hard. I yeah. mean, just, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, that they're saints or, but man, I mean, they, you know, at least from, from my point of view, they, they, if they, you know, if I'm told nothing's going on, I have an easy time believing it just because I know how hard they work at recruiting mm -hmm. and it, it's, it's intense. It's insane. So it's a real organization. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and it's a, you know, we've talked about it before. It's a, it's a top down attack. You know, you got Mario Cristobal, who's clearly, you know, all in on recruiting. You can see him very active on Twitter and stuff like that. And, you know, it just, it, it really feeds down to his assistants and, and his, uh, you know, his other staff members. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, uh, one more point on this off season, we get a chance to ask these questions. You have 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 done a little bit of everything in your career, mm -hmm. but I really think if I were to pinpoint Justin Hopkins's claim to fame as an outsider, I would say I think the biggest thing you've done when Mario got hired, you said straight up, "This guy is the best recruiter in the country." Oh yeah, and you you talked about the impact that he could have at Oregon because that was a, a future tense idea. Sure, we didn't know if he could do it. You said he could do it. Has he done it? Has he lived up to your expectations heading into year two? Yeah, I mean, and that's a great question. I think you'd be hard pressed uh, not to be pretty excited about what he's done in all facets and i know we've talked about it but i mean you know you go and look at i mean you just break it down go and look at the football aspect is this team getting better the answer is yes you go and look at the recruiting aspect are they getting better at recruiting the answer is yes i mean from a organizational standpoint you know he's elevating the strength and conditioning program he's elevating the academics you know elevating so many different areas and just down the line it's yes 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 so um you know, it, it's 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 hard because we're such an instant gratification society these days that unless you're winning right now, it's like, eh, all right, he's doing an okay job. And it's you know, man, college football is not that way. You don't just take over a, a four win program and have it turned around against you know a pretty good league and in a very challenging recruiting area. You don't just have it turned around over overnight. And again, 
I like to compare it to, you know, what Dabo Swinney did at, 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 has done at Clemson. That thing didn't happen overnight. That took several years of taking over a much better team than what he was left than what Mario Cristobal was left with at Oregon, and and building it up and building it up and recruiting and bringing in talented coaches and, and keeping them around. And I really see that blueprint here. I think you know whether fans agree or disagree with you know Marcus Arroyo or whatnot. I think Mario Cristobal has really tried to surround himself with coaches that he trusts coaches that he believes in and coaches that get the job done and i and i believe that you know with marcus arroyo keith hayward joe salivea these guys that are here getting paid well to be here that to me signals that mario cristobal trusts them to do what they need to do for him and and that's all you can do is you you know you're going to lose coaches along the way. you're going to lose a, a court denison or you're going to lose you know some of these coaches along the way you won't keep the whole nucleus together but if you can keep just enough you know, and just kind of fill in around the edges as you need to. I'll be honest, I think this is the best staff Oregon's ever had. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, you got great defensive back coaches that are covering each group, recruit the hell out of Southern California. You've got a young, fiery... If, if Oregon can somehow figure out to keep Andy Avalos long-term, somehow, some way, watch out. Like, watch out for a long time. Wow. I, I mean, seriously, if you can keep that guy there... And you can keep the Jim Mastros and the Bobby Williams and the Alex Miraballs and the Joe Salivas. You've got a really good, diverse, knowledgeable, experienced staff, but you still have some of those youthful guys that can go out and, and relate to the young men that they're recruiting. It's just the way it's been pulled together, and I don't say this lightly, Jim Mastros might be the best running back coach Oregon's ever had. And I love Gary Campbell to mm-hmm. death. We have, we've had him on the podcast. I love Coach Campbell. But Jim Mastro is probably the best running back coach Oregon's ever had. Andy Avalos is, like, he's off the charts good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ken Wilson is a, is a linebacker coach. That guy's got a lot going. I mean, he, he understands that Washington de- Washington State defense, if you will, uh, front to back. So he's going to bring in some of those elements that we've seen that defense give Oregon fits the past few years a lot. And the best part is now they're getting to practice that defense in practice so Oregon can at least be prepared for it when they play Wazoo so doesn't mean they'll win but it certainly helps so just you know like I say I I'm still remain on board with with Mario Cristobal I think he's done everything to endear himself to the Oregon fans to the other you know to basketball you see him cheering on coach Graves and coach Altman in their success and yeah and the other coaches and uh I, I it's just it's it, it's a recipe for success in my mind all right so that's pretty much everything about spring football. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on football-wise before we move on to some other stuff? I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of recruits on campus, and, and Oregon did a good job. I know folks were expecting, you know, a bunch of commitments to take place, and, and myself to a degree. But then I also saw I, I I see what I believe the game plan is, you know, with the ultimate goal of 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 trying to get. Uh, DJ Ugalali. I know that's what Oregon's trying to do. Five-star quarterback. Definitely had a good trip. Talked to him on Scoop Duck and posted the story. And, uh, you know, Clemson, actually, as we did this, just picked up a five-star defensive end uh, today, right now. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's an arms race. Everybody's trying to get DJ, Clemson, Oregon. Um, you know, I believe that the commitments that were, were going to take place from the spring game will, will, will probably be strung out over the next couple weeks. Originally, DJ was going to announce on May fifth, but he hasn't. He's he's changed and said it'll be in May. I just don't know exactly what day. Yeah. So you got a couple of weeks to kind of basically work on him. And he can make the whole world wait. Oh, everybody will wait. Uh, but I mean, I think you know this goes to you know back to playing chess, not checkers. You know there was there's no doubt that on Friday, you know Oregon picking up a four star linebacker defensive end out of California. And then on Saturday, while DJ's on campus picking up his teammate, four-star wide receiver Chris Hudson, I mean, that stuff's all planned. That just wasn't like, oh, hey, I decided I want to commit today. <laughs> and I get what the plan is. I understand what the plan is. So even though Trying everybody, to woo him. Yeah, I mean, even though everybody would like to have four commits on Sunday from, from the guys that visited, you know, I, I think the plan for the staff is to try and, and, and spread those out a little bit and keep some momentum with DJ heading into his decision as opposed to doing it all now and then it's kind of dead and stale mm-hmm. in two weeks or whenever he decides. So I understand the philosophy and, uh, 
I mean, when you're trying to get a guy like that, you pull out every last stop. That's why Mazzoli was in town and, and Dennis Dixon and, 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 you know, Marcus Mariota. I mean, they pulled out all the stops. But it was it was a great trip not only for DJ. I mean, we have about, I think, 10 updates from recruits that visited. And uh, right now the coaches have hit the road. So they've, they've done that. They hosted the big weekend. The coaches have hit the road um, doing their spring evaluations, and that's kind of what's going on right now. And then uh, – I mean, yeah, that's recruiting. Recruiting will be pretty hot and heavy now. What have we got now? May, June, and then last year, uh, you know, they had a couple pop in in uh, in June and July as well. So, I mean, uh, over the next few months, I think you can see this recruiting class really come together. And uh, there's no doubt these guys have really put themselves in position with, you know, the Noah Sewells and some of these elite players out there that they're trying to sign. So. I guess we'll see what happens. It's a fun time for recruiting, though. Oh, yeah. All right. So two quick questions on basketball, and then we'll move on to some other things. All right. So right off the top, we we talked about this off-air getting ready. No surprise, in your opinion, no surprise in mine, North Carolina signs Greg Anthony's kid. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You got me. You shocked me. Nope, no surprise. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Oregon, unfortunately, Monday and Tuesday went 0 for 2 uh, with Cole Anthony and, and Cassius Stanley, obviously, picking other schools. Um, and then kind of the real, I don't know that I would, like, it might be a little much, but the, the extra little kick to the groin was Victor Bailey, obviously, deciding that he was going to transfer out of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I said this off air. I think that's a guy that really could have benefited by staying at Oregon and just worked on developing this year into next year and, and being a key contributor. But I don't fault him for looking for a better opportunity somewhere either. Um, he's definitely not, you know, a guy that really impacts the bottom line of this team, in my opinion. But it is a little bit of a, of a kick to the depth, if you will. Yeah, and we see this every year with, yep. with the Ducks where – and it's not a knock on Dana Altman. I think if anything, Dana is pouring his heart out for these players sure. and, and telling everybody, "Hey, we'll get you ten, fifteen minutes." Everybody, right? They'll play. Fre- they'll play freshmen. They'll play grad transfers. They'll play everybody. And the the problem with that is you have a guy who's the seventh or eighth man, like Victor Bailey, and he doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so what do you, you know, if you're Victor Bailey, you know, what do you do? Do you think, okay, do I sit here and try and develop and, and be a, a secondary or a role player or whatever you want to call it? Or do, you know, do, I mean, does he think that he could go to another Pac 12 school and, and, and have a better shot at starting? Or, you know, do you drop down and, and, and you go to a San Diego State or you go somewhere like that and maybe, you know, you're kind of the guy at that point instead of, you know, one of the afterthoughts. So, you know, I don't know. Clearly, he talked to his people, decided moving on was the best thing. Um, not a huge kick to the groin for Oregon, but just from depth purposes. I, I still think, just from his pure athleticism, and he can't, when he gets hot, he can shoot the rock. It's just he wasn't consistent enough. And if he could work on that, he could have been a pretty good contributor next year. But mm-hmm. no, and if you assume, Obviously, all of the guys that declared aren't going to get picked. Right. But if you assume that Luke King gets picked, mm-hmm. and you assume, let's say, let's say Peyton Pritchard gets picked, sure, like late second round, but he still gets picked. There's an opening for Victor Bailey. Oh yeah, absolutely. If that's the case, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of folks make a big deal about Peyton, you know, or Kenny Wooten enter, entering the NBA draft or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, those guys are getting a a free draft evaluation um you know teams teams uh, their organizations are going to draft accordingly they're going to have a very good idea if those young men will actually go or not mm-hmm. when they draft them you, it would i'd be high it would be pretty hard pressed for anybody to to take a chance on peyton pritchard in the first round without them being pretty certain that he's going to go i don't think he would get drafted in the first round that's just an example yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um but yeah i mean you, it's very common in the nfl all these guys are, excuse me in college ba- football all these guys go get nfl draft evaluations after the season mm-hmm. usually like sophomore season and above they do there's no reason not to they're going to tell you what you need to work on and improve on yeah well and with the mock draft culture 
Yeah. Because right? yeah. the, the draft eval will screw some of those guys. Right. They'll look and say, oh, well, the draft eval said I was a third rounder and I went undrafted. Right. Right. Um, but then there's also all the mock drafts the, the, on, on Friday, the 26th. Yes. There's going to be mock drafts that will convince these kids to declare early. Right. You're a second rounder in our book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. All yeah. right. Cool. You know, and it you know it's it's tough i get it it's hard to be in that in that situation and you know speaking of the draft that'll be you know thursday kicks off thursday thursday night round one don't think we'll uh don't think we'll see any ducks on that night unfortunately but but i like ugo yeah i think ugo day two second or third rounder and i think he could have when we look at the washington corners I think he can outperform them at the next level. Yeah, I mean he does everything so well. Or he's, you know, he's a, you know, he's like a Bill Belichick kind of guy. You know, he can be smart, not make mistakes, and you know, have a really good, strong career for ten years, twelve years, whatever. You know what I mean? Just it's just his combine numbers showed this is a guy that has the prerequisites physically. Yeah, we we don't we don't know if he has it everywhere else yet I'm sure not saying he doesn't but you have to find that out you have to grind with him through camp yeah physically all the measurables say he can play outside he can play inside and he can play safety yeah and you want a guy like that in your secondary well especially with the nfl becoming a passing league and it mm-hmm. really has i mean having a guy like that out there that doesn't kill you in the run game and can cover pretty much all over the back end of the field that's a very valuable tool to have so, yeah, I mean, he, he could definitely sneak up. You know, obviously we've got Justin Hollins and, and Jalen Jelks and, and uh, Dylan Mitchell out there hoping to get drafted. But, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of probably, you know, third, fourth day draftees for Oregon this year. But that's changing. That's changing. Maybe yeah. they'll have a first day next year. Yeah, I, I think of a, a certain quarterback. that Got a good shot. Pretty he, good shot. Got a good shot, yeah. All right, so that's hoops. Those are the two big hoops questions. Uh, let's let's have a quick quick chat with baseball. Okay. Galuka unloads on one to left. Back to the wall. Out of here. So the good news, you had a three-game series with Stanford, and in one game, you held them within a run. That's. Uh, Optimism. That's right. the good news. Yeah, that's the good news. That's yeah. really good. Let's not talk about the other two games then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top five team in the country. Right. You you have a really promising effort against them, and then the next two nights just were ugly. Twenty to five. I, I believe oh. that set a record for the most runs allowed at PK Park ever. Mm-hmm. And then ten zip on Saturday. Oof. Yeah. Well, at least it was ten zip. Saturday, because I know DJ uh, went and watched the baseball game a little bit. He said he wasn't there long, but he went and watched a little bit. So that's better than the Friday game. Twenty to five, Ugh. Ugh. and it was rainy yeah. on Friday too. That Stanford team is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last I saw, uh, Pac-12 in the polls: one UCLA, wow; two Oregon State, three Stanford. That's unreal. National polls, all from the Pac-12. That's unreal. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the good news. You had a close game against Stanford. Bad news is you had two ugly ones. And now it gets a little easier. Cal, that's a real winnable series in good. Berkeley. Definitely. Uh, San Jose State on Monday. Nice. You never know with the Monday games, but right. that looks winnable on paper. And then things get fun. Arizona's a pretty good team this year. Then University of Portland, they come in May 7th. And then Civil War Series mid-may oh man so that's what you gotta have on your calendar mid-may go watch the uh the civil war series and that's in eugene three games in eugene oh man and it should be great weather at that time you hope yeah you hope (laughs) no that'd be that'd be fun that'd be put that on your calendars people that'd be fun yeah go watch some baseball in in the huge and have a beer and take the kids out there for a hot dog you ever seen a game at pk park yep yep a couple not not a ton but i've seen a couple it's a great park it's a fantastic little park um, I've always heard uh, Joey Mack, mm-hmm. Ducks play-by-play guy. He he does a, a little radio hit on my show every week. He tells me that it's really fun in the summer when they got Emeralds games and they just do a bunch of promotions. Nice, bunch of fun stuff. Nice. No, that's good. You know, I mean, there's not 
a ton of sporting things to do in Eugene. So those types of, you know, those types of events are fun for families that, you know, love baseball or just want to get outside. I mean, it's cheap too. Why not go have some fun? Yeah. Support the ducks. Good food, good fun. And a a great way to watch some quality baseball. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything. Hitting on football, spring game, recruiting, had Yogi Roth from Pac-12 Network on earlier around the five-minute mark. It's been a full day. Yeah. Full Tuesday. Now it's Taco Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, Taco mm. Tuesday. I'm starving. I'm you know, sitting I, here starving. It's, it's funny you mention that. I can't bring... Um, I can't bring food to work anymore. I, I, oh. I, I used to be that guy. Yeah. I would always bring my lunch back to work. I can't bring food to work because of Taco Tuesday. Really? There's a uh, kick-ass street taco place here in downtown Medford. Uh-huh. Um, Talk about Jose's? Uh, Ordaz. Oh, okay. A little blue truck. Uh, they're probably like like a, a couple blocks from Jose's. Yeah. And um, yeah, just awesome. I get the carne asada, five for five tacos, but they got the onions on them. Yeah. And I guess I brought them into the office one time and I didn't think anything of it. I'm, I'm just thinking these taste amazing. These are awesome. I, I eat them five minutes later. Everybody wanted to murder me. Oh, really? Bring in the onions. They were that strong. They were that strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tasty, man. But I, I inspired a lot of anger. So I can't bring food to work anymore. Matt's outlawed food. Taco Tuesday is not easy for me. I work from home. So it's, you know, I just take whatever I want or Mm. something in the fridge. Actually, I have track town pizza in the fridge at home. Maybe I'll go back to that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about that till just right now. That crushes my heart. Yep. That's the best barbecue chicken pizza on the planet. Yeah, the ta- and the we're not paid good. to say that. No, that that's great. That one's great. Taco oh. pizza's good. Yeah, I've got, I think I got two or three slices left in there. So you, oh man, I'm mad now. Yep, I love track down pizza. Okay, we got to close this before I start having steam pop out of my ears. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Check it out on Scoop Duck. Check it out on iTunes. I know we're working on other platforms. Yep. Still, yeah. Now the spring game is done. I can start getting some of this other stuff done sweet only only so many hours in the day but now now i can focus my attention elsewhere he's a man on a mission yep 